These days, many of us live our lives on social media, some more than others, but the vast majority of us have social media profiles. This is great in a number of ways, such as providing a more global community than we've had in the past and providing additional avenues for us to promote our small businesses. The problem with social media is the goldmine of information that it provides for those who may have malicious aspirations. Today, we're welcoming Ramback as the new co-host alongside Jessica. Hi. Hello. And in other news, our Sidelock quarterly security report was released yesterday. Jessica, is there anything that our listeners might be interested in hearing from them? There are, yeah. The SiteLock Quarterly Security Insider was released yesterday. It has a number of studies that we did here as security analysts on a sample size of approximately 6.5 million websites protected by our services. We found, first of all, that the average website is attacked approximately 59 times per day. The good news about that number is that it is a slight decrease from last quarter's 63 attacks per day. However, our website application firewall is still blocking an average of 700 148,000 threats per week and 140.5 million bot visits per week. Now, those are just attempted attacks. When we get into the study of sites that have actually been compromised, we found that only 21% of infected sites get blacklisted by the search engines, which means that relying on Google to alert you that you have malware is no longer a good idea. And on top of that, even if you do get blacklisted, it basically halts all search engine traffic to your site, which could be devastating devastating for a small business. We also found that hackers are getting smarter and malware is getting sneakier with 44% of the malware cleaned in our system being unique randomized files that we were able to identify based on a series of key factors that are detailed in the report. We also found that the malware being uploaded is primarily for the hackers to profit from or further propagate additional malware with visitor attacks like phishing or malicious URL redirects being 26.1%. 1% of the malware we cleaned and a total increase of spam or SEO leaching files of 10% from quarter two to quarter three. So there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. You can review the full report on sitelock.com if you're interested. What do we have going on besides that in the news, Ram? I'm sure that you've all heard about the Uber thing. The city of Chicago is suing Uber for failing to disclose a 2016 data breach that affected 57 million of its users. Apparently, they're suing them because they failed to fix a problem that had led to a previous data breach in 2014. Uber essentially paid off the people that stole the information to delete the information and sign non-disclosure agreements, which they, of course, held to those in good faith. Absolutely. Paying the criminal is always the right course of action. I'm re- I am I fully support negotiating with Nick. Okay, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so Uber effectively tried to cover up the data breach. Is that correct? That's essentially the problem. It's that they wanted to keep it quiet and hush-hush. There's a whole bunch of stuff out there. Uh, it blew up beautifully. It doesn't look good for them. Right. On the flip side of that coin, and also kind of talking about the social media that we have, Facebook hit the news this week with a bug in their new polling system that allowed anybody to delete anybody else's photos, even if they were set to private. A security researcher found that when he created a poll in Facebook system, it assigned it an arbitrary number, a unique ID value. And if he input other random ID values, 
values. When he deleted his poll, it also deleted the other things associated with those IDs, which included other users' polls and pictures. Now, unlike Uber, who tried to immediately cover up their failures, Facebook paid this guy a bug bounty of $10,000 and patched the problem. And then, of course, went through the whole disclosure. So that kind of brings us to what we're talking about today, which is the dangers of social media. You might actually wish that they hadn't patched that bug because you might want to delete all your old pictures now. One of the most dangerous things about social media is that, yes, it's all stuff that's technically publicly on the record, but hackers don't use any one fact or any one vulnerability. They don't rely on a single way to get into your website or to steal your identity. You might not even be the end target. They could build a profile of you using your social media accounts and maybe just use as a uh, stepstone to get into your company's network. It's sounds almost like they're the spy movie FBI serial killer profilers, right? Like hackers can build what's effectively a composite image of you based on the information they scrape from social media, which kind of ties into the personal dangers of social media, right? Yes. Also, Brian Krebs found a uh, interesting thing. Uh, apparently, the Federal Application for Student Aid website, at least at the time that he tested it, if you enter in the social security number, which, of course, all of our social security numbers are safe, and date of birth, it will give you an immense payload of information, essentially everything you would fill out on a FAFSA form. And this is like your income, your parents' income, everywhere you've ever lived kind of stuff. What do you do about social media? What what are some of the dangers for personal, like for our individual users out there? First of all, like you were saying, nothing can ever be deleted. So even if you wish it could, it can't. Even if you delete a photo from your Facebook profile or your Twitter, it still lives on some cache or backup server somewhere. Or on an Amazon, uh, unsecured Amazon web server that the government's been using to scrape social media posts. Right. Yeah. It could potentially live on an S3 bucket named military S3 bucket that anybody could find. Correct. Another danger is so-called catfishing. Obviously, we know that no one online is who they say they are except for us. I don't know about you guys. I'm totally someone different online. (laughs) I am a 92-year-old oncologist from Ontario. Ignore all of these things. We We are the only ones that you can trust. That's it. That's the truth of the matter. The three of us. <laughs> and like you said, Ram, you might not be the last or only target. Once a hacker can get into your Facebook profile or your Twitter or your email, they have access to your entire network of friends, family, and employers. Correct. And if someone gets friend requests from someone who appears to be you, that can be another stepping stone. Never assume you're the final target, but never assume you're not either. Right. Not only that, but hackers are actually using those giveaways on Facebook. You've won a free Disney cruise. Congratulations. You've won. Usually the prize is a Trojan or a Keylogger. Just what I wanted for Christmas. The other thing that I've heard is that to get your podcast episode name, it's the last 16 digits of your credit card and your mother's maiden name, right? Oh, and also the first nine digits of your social security number. Perfect. That'll give you a unique identifying podcast name for when all of our listeners start their own podcast about security. Let us know so that we can subscribe. You'll get a 
three-person listener base. In all seriousness, though, when you see those images circulating social media that are saying, you know, your death metal band is the last thing you ate and the name of your childhood dog, a lot of times those are attackers trying to scrape information out of the comments that they can use to answer security questions to complement information that they've gotten in previous data breaches, like your email address or your phone number or your date of birth or your literally everything. What about small businesses, though? How do, how do businesses interact with social media? When it comes to uh, business social media, there's two real things that you'd want to think about. Uh, One is that a lot of companies contract out for their social media, which is sometimes a good idea, except for the fact that you might not ever get your social media logins back. If you have an external firm that manages your social media, you don't have 100% control over your persona online because it's somebody who doesn't isn't in-house, so to speak. Um, and you also don't know who has access to the password. We should just hope that they're very boring. Right. Or that they practice good security policy, which is something that we recommend to all customers that own a small business. And really anybody that owns a small business and is going to use social media, make sure that whoever has your Twitter password is trustworthy and practices good sanitation habits. And isn't going to reset it to Twitter123. Exactly. Uh, The other thing, and this is something that a lot of people have been saying more and more often, is uh, spear phishing campaigns. Once you follow a company's social media for a while, when you put that together with aforementioned Facebook profiling, you can put together an extreme effective spear phishing campaign, uh, emails, phone calls to companies, further your data gathering. Via social engineering, you can get people to give up passwords. You can get them to click on links. You can get your way into a company's system. A lot of the iCloud breaches that we saw with the celebrity news last year were because of social engineering breaches and spear phishing campaigns. The attackers scraped social media for private details about celebrities and then called Apple support pretending to be their assistant and got password resets to download all of their content. Spear phishing is scary because it goes one step beyond just regular phishing into personalized attacks on your data. When we're talking about that composite or that profile that a hacker can build of you, they can actually address a phishing email directly to you. They can say, Dear Ram, we know you like comic books. Here's your Marvel shipment. Enter your password. The thing about spear phishing is that it makes a lot of attacks that seem like they're not actually that useful very useful. Like a lot of uh, cross-site scripting attacks, you can't really do all that much with them, and yet a large number of breaches have occurred because someone used them in a spear phishing campaign. Right. So with that in mind, what do you want our listeners to take away from this this week? Given everything that can be pulled from Facebook and Twitter and whatever other social media is out there to build a profile on us and help put information together so that someone can potentially break into our accounts, honestly, the biggest thing that I feel people should be taking away from this is when you're creating accounts or social media profiles, if you can, lie. That's probably the biggest piece of security that can protect you from all of these phishing attempts on social media or just even scraping your social media profile. Sure, there's things you can do like setting your profile to friends only or, or you know, just updating your, your privacy and security settings in various places. But for your security questions, it's always a good idea to have a made-up persona. I have a whole supervillain alter ego online that even my wife doesn't know about. And the whole purpose of that is just for for 
security questions. My persona has a different last name, different first name. Just come up with something in your head, city streets that you always wished you lived on but never did, or something that even the people you know aren't going to be able to easily build a profile on you. Or you could uh, put together a profile of someone else and then pretend to be them. Maybe That's not the borderline best identity theft. But put together a profile with at least a name, an address that you never were associated with, you know, mother's maiden name, types of cars. Again, you want to make sure that it's things that even someone that knows you wouldn't be able to to build this profile on you. And then also, you know, pet names, types of pets, that kind of thing. All the common security questions. And anytime you encounter a security question that you have to use that isn't a part of this profile, add it to the profile so that later on it's easy for you to remember. But no one but you is going to know this. Nobody knows that Topher secretly had a pet named Toby that was a 30-foot alligator. Yes. Also, a lot of uh, a lot of websites will actually force you to set security questions whether you want to or not. Right. And so having this profile built out in your mind ahead of time just prepares you for that so you're not scrambling at the time that you're asked these questions and forced into using them. And they're good to have in case you ever do need to get back into an account that you forgot the password for. Keep those in a password manager too, actually. Absolutely. But we all know we've got those passwords that aren't going to end up in there. Either we're not going to have our password manager accessible at the time that we're setting up the account or you know we're in a hurry and we just skip that step for now. We'll, we'll get it in there later, right? So build this profile in your head. Build a whole story, a life that you wish you had or you're glad you don't, as long as it works and it's easy for you to remember. This is not my beautiful password. Decoding security does not condone lying unless it's for enhanced cybersecurity purposes. The music, Upbeat Forever, by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Decoding Security is hosted by Jessica Ortega and Ram Gall and produced by Topher Tebow for SiteLock. <laughs>